Hello everyone, this is Zero Ninja, and you are now listening to the Storm Connect Podcast, published by the podcast network known as the Sigil Arts Network. I talk about gaming topics and animated series of my own interests, like Ruby, Hunter x Hunter, Persona 5 Royal, and so on forward. The goal I aim to accomplish on every episode is to provide insights on these subjects that are usually overlooked, to spread awareness, and learn more. Today, I am going to provide my input review on the latest installment on the Paper Mario series, The Origami King, and... Also, to announce the winner of the Paper Mario giveaway. Without any further ado, let's start this off by talking about the easy stuff for right now, like the gameplay and then the story. And for this one, some type of background review that I believe that is relevant to this podcast episode and the background of Paper Mario as of right now. So let's just fully dive into this. So Paper Mario The Origami King has a very unique type of gameplay that still has the paper aesthetic feel to it and how it originally is in the games, but it still feels like it's also its standalone game, which is very interesting as especially that the gameplay definitely is the proof of that. Normally, you would recognize for the Paper Mario series as basically the RPG uh, turn-based game, which, I mean, in a sense, I guess you could say that, but they went on to another direction that is very unique, that it's no longer that usual turn-based game, and it's now rather more as to adventure-slash-puzzle-solving type of game idea. So the main core of the gameplay is the battle system to when you run into enemies and when you do your boss fights, and that's basically the wheel system. So what you're doing here is that you are lining up your enemies, and also you have to do it within a timely manner, and also the fact that you get a set amount of turns of how much you could turn the wheel or adjust the wheel to make those adjustments. So if you get all that into one turn, you'll be able to kill off your enemies potentially into that one turn. Hence, you'll be rewarded with more coins. There's always like this new type of fresh idea. And again, this is where time comes in as it is the most pressuring point of battling against your opponents. So you will be able to line them up very quickly. And if you want more time, you invest more coins just so that you can have more time to think on it and, well, not lose any more health. Your objective into this battle wheel system is to ensure you kill off your enemies into one turn and hopefully not get ambushed as well. So most of the battles are usually just like that though, but they do make it creative again to the fact that you're pressured by time and you also could have some certain quick time events if you do a certain thing correctly. And again, in a timely manner, like for the example, the Velamentals, which I'm going to dive into a little bit more later, but you get to do these cool little specials in these games and such. And again, you'll only be rewarded with more coins and potentially more hearts and stuff like that and even get support as well. So I must mention this as well. You do not level up in any way, shape or form with Paper Mario, the Origami King. The only thing that you're doing is going around the adventure to remove the, uh, the colored stripes and to basically battle against your opponents and whatever boss fights that are required to advance through the story. However, I guess you could say the only time that it quote-unquote does have the RPG leveling up EXP system is whenever you get a heart container um, that boosts up your max heart points, then uh, your attack power does go up as well alongside with whatever weapons that you are utilizing in these fights. But it doesn't make that much of a huge difference unless you're using items or like you're using like one of the most like powerful uh, hammers or boots or again a fire flower and so on forward. So the fights that are not usually required as you are in an open field world um, ish very wide. 
they're not required, but if you want to invest your time to basically train your mind as to how you could think outside the box, as to how you could uh, get around to the enemies into the one turn lineup, alongside with the pressure of beating time as well, you will most likely enjoy this. However, if you're not a fan of the whole rinse and repeat incentive, especially the fact that there's not much reward to it, uh, with the exception of coins, then most likely you are not going to like this. As I mentioned before, the only thing that makes up for this is the pressure of time. Now, I pretty much gave you the quick summary of how the gameplay is truly like, so uh, I'm going to advance forward a little bit more to the boss setups as there's more to mention from there. So this is the case, basically the same formula as for all boss fights. So you as the player, Mario, you are outside of the wheel as the boss fight is actually inside of the wheel for this one. So what you do is that you have to create your own path and you have to have a perfect landing spot so you can do damage to your enemy, to the boss, and if you can't do that, then you are definitely going to be severely punished in one way, shape, or form. And yes, you are still being pressured with time and the investment of utilizing your coins if you need more time. So how they spice this up is that they give you a little boost around the panels if you want to claim them. They also drop letter hints as to how you can beat the boss or to what be, uh, to watch out for. And also taking advantage of the power special uh, elementals that Olivia possesses. That's all there really is to it in terms of like the battle system overall as to Paper Mario. So now that I provided you the uh, information of that, let me tell you as to how I truly experience it in this game. So the wheel system, okay. I get it. I understand completely as to probably the few minutes that you've just heard. I know on paper, it sounds super weird. However, if you actually play it for yourself, it's actually not as bad as you think it is. I will say to a small extent, it does become a little bit enjoyable to have some type of challenge. And again, with the pressure of time as to, oh, how can you line this up in one turn? Because, you know, you're probably thinking that you could do it in one turn. It's so easy. But then they create these complicated puzzles where it's just like, oh, wow, you actually have to think for this one and to line up your opponents carefully or otherwise you'll be punished. However, that being said, I will say because to that small extent, I wouldn't exactly call this the best. I do see the big potential of what they had here. I just think that they actually need to tap into that power because it was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But because that there is very, very little rewards as to how you actually line up your opponents and what you actually gain out of these fights and such, there's not really any point into actually doing these fights like open world fights and such like again the only thing that you really have to do is just again if you just want to know this the premises of the story and such as to paper mario again avoid the fights as much as possible do the ones that you're required to do as to the story but most of the time since there's a lot of enemies going around with the, such an open world like that it's hard to avoid them and it's even hard to also run out of these fights. I don't know if it's because I just had horrible RNG because I couldn't escape from most of these fights. But, oh my god, they force you into a fight which, again, the only thing you get rewarded out of is coins which you could utilize to buy certain items and such multiple times because your items, they do break in this game. But that's all there is to it. It's not really exactly as much. You don't get a lot of coins as, as you advance to the story. Things get expensive, and it's just like, dude, what what the hell, man? 
I had, unfortunately, a very little to no satisfaction as to when I was playing the game with, I guess you could say the only satisfaction I could get out of it is like, oh, good, I know how to do this on a timely manner and such, and especially with the challenge that I'm getting into, though. But in the game, you're not exactly getting that much out of it with the exception as to the required fights with the boss fights and certain mini boss fights and the elemental uh, boss fights. If you attended to my streams of Paper Mario the Origami King on Twitch, you would notice that most of the times I usually would make these remarks of like oh finally like oh my god thank goodness i had to say that a lot even for sometimes when i did the normal fight and that's questionable in my personal opinion and it's not just because that i had trouble it's because that i know this for a fact at the end of the day you're not really getting much out of this with the, again the exception of the required fights now, another point that I want to bring up in these boss fights is the fact that when you get punished, you get seriously punished. Like, even sometimes when it's your turn, because what the boss fights, what they do is that they do mess around with the wheel, that sometimes you are required to take the damage, and I just don't exactly agree with that because of how much damage that it could do before you land on a landing spot to do damage to the boss fight. And then guess what? They do a crap more, a crap ton of damage. Unless you are lucky with having a 1-up, or you're using a elemental that is up to your advantage, or you get to utilize your ability of the Thousand Arms spell, but only to a certain amount of luck. That's pretty much as to what I have to say regarding with the gameplay overall in terms of the battle system and stuff like that. I do want to go a little bit more in depth as to the wide world uh, feature and basically to the puzzle solvings that you have to do to get uh, around to certain areas to creating paths and so on forward. Now, for the most part of the entire game, the puzzle solving aspect as to Paper Mario the Origami King, it's actually really decent. But I do have to make one comment about one certain puzzle-solving um, time that really grinded on my gears for whatever A, B, and C reason I, I particularly did not agree with. So, that being said, in Chapter Green, when you had to release the, the green streamer as to, I guess you could say, it's the final chapter before uh, you head to the final boss. So, there's a certain part of the puzzle to where you have to do this roulette game to advance through the story. They low-key bring this wheel system back to basically solve these questions uh, as to, for example, as to how many Goombas were in this pool and such. And what they do is the fact, I don't understand this, is the fact you are timed for some of these puzzles. I don't understand. It's like, you're only seeing the relay of this. I, why do you have to be timed for this? I just did not agree with that because it's just like, it's, it's just a mini game that kind of considers as to life and death here. Uh, well, I want to say life and death. At uh, one part, it will be life and death though. But like for the most part, to get to where you need to go, the, the pool um, to heal up Bowser Jr. Um, you, you are timed to solve these uh, puzzles and if you fuck up, like, and they don't even give you, like, they don't give you enough time either. You are bounded to a small amount of time, and you cannot ask uh, for more time by bargaining with your coins. Which I think is so stupid if they're, they're going to do that. Because, again, it's just, like, they're just puzzles to some questions and stuff like that. Like, why are you given, like, less than 30 seconds to solve these? Like, why? Especially for, like, the toughest ones, you still don't have enough time for that. 
Because it's just like you have to really think. Because again, like sometimes like your eyes could really trick you though. But again, <laughs> you're pressured on the time. So I'm just like, I don't know why they brought that feature for that uh, mini aspect of the mini games that they did there. It was literally on some Mario Party shit. So I just totally think that was completely unfair. And I think that should have not been part of the game. But other than that, for the most part, all of the puzzle solving cases for basically the wide open world, it's been pretty decent. Now, before I go off on the story of Paper Mario, I want to quickly make some quick reviews on these boss fights that were set up for Paper Mario the Origami King. Mm -hmm. So let me talk about developmentals real quick. There are two that I really, really have some serious questions that I want to make here. First of all, let me talk about the water developmental. I understand as to, as I said before, the developmentals and some of the boss fights, they do tamper with the wheel system, but that one specifically, the water developmental tampered with the fucking wheel system so fucking much, it was difficult, very, very difficult to land a hit on him when he washes the, some of the um, items on the panels away, and it was so ridiculous and time consuming, I had to retry that fight one more time, I don't know what they were thinking for that fight, I did like the concept of it though, but it, at the same time, it was also very stupid. I don't know what they were thinking. I'm actually quite upset by that still to this day. And when you are given that fighting chance moment, like where you can see where you can land on the developmental um, panel. Oh yeah, no, he takes it away. For most of the entire fight, all you have to do is rely on the luck of using your hammer or your boots to hit him. And even then, like, you actually need developmental to do some serious damage with them so you can advance the story quicker and such. And so it was, it was super time-consuming. At times it works, but most of the time, it was not a fun time. It was actually very, very annoying. I don't know what they were thinking for that. I was, it was just like, you might as well just not include these panels. I, I'm tired of this. Oh my lord. The next one that I want to put in question is the fire developmental. Now, in my personal opinion, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. However... Again, as they tamper with the wheel system with this one, I, it was, like I said, it was not as bad as the water elemental though, but for this one, what the fire elemental does, he flaps his wings to the wheel, causing him to basically, like, shoot out these fire feathers, and the problem for that is that you can't avoid them. You can't exactly not get hit by them, so when you have to go around these panels, especially if you want to do good damage to the fire of elemental and such you are forced to take damage you have to take all that damage and the more fire feathers are on that panel or aren't in your path the more damage that you are going to receive and still be punished and again the fire of elemental can do serious damage after you do your turn and well guess what your health is almost about to get to zero now for that one i almost lost that fight though but i was okay for the most part though but that fight it just made me question some certain designs that they were thinking for that. I did not like the fact that, like, the punishment, the punishes in this game are severe more than the actual rewarding aspect of the game. Besides that, the Earth and the Ice Elementals were actually decent. I think they were really well-designed fights. Now, here's something that I quickly want to mention in the list of the boss fights. There are actually certain boss fights to where you don't actually use the wheel system at all. It's actually an open field to where you actually attack your enemy, like, in action time. This is not turn-based or anything like that. It was actually pretty enjoyable. Um, my favorite one was the blooper. Surprisingly, he came back from Super Mario Sunshine. It was 
a huge joy to me when I saw him in the game in paper form. And honestly, I really love that fight a lot despite of how short it was. I sincerely kind of wish they did more fights like those because those were more fun than the wheel system fights. Now, if we quickly remove that, I will have to say among with the streamer boss fights, the one that I actually surprisingly enjoyed the most was the scissors, the dual bladed duelist. I don't know why, but surprisingly, like the scissor says that he wants to entertain a fight rather than just going for like the kill immediately. So what he does is that he puts himself into a holder um, not able to use his blades. And if you manage to do a single type of damage to that cover of his, then he immediately releases himself and he goes all out. And basically, it's a one-hit kill move thing, which at least you do have time to escape that or to plan out your attacks accordingly before you could potentially die and maybe be tricked on as well. I will say for that one, I did have some type of joy of learning that fight. Unfortunately, as I hate to say this, the rest of the boss fights, the streamer boss fights, were pretty bland. So other than that, uh, I do want to make another comment as to the game overall before I go in-depth into the story. I will say this is the best, and I mean the best, most aesthetically pleasing Paper Mario game that I've seen among with the Paper Mario series. They did a wonderful job of polishing up with this game, and I do see that there was a lot of care as to how they did the mechanics, which I do commend them for their efforts on that. Now, that being said, let me dive into my favorite part. I've waited to talk about the story of Paper Mario the Origami King. And for those of you that attended my streams, <laughs> you probably have an idea exactly what I'm feeling about this story, alright? So, let's get started. So, <laughs> I'm quite curious, but who decided the direction of this story. I need to know who. I just want to know. Because I want to know why certain characters acted the way that they did, and why was Bowser the best character of the story? He was the only one that was actually thinking straight about everything that was happening. And like, he even made some like certain remarks where it's just like, oh my god, you are speaking facts. You are literally taking my thoughts out of my mind and implying it to this game as soon as the moment happens. And you know, it's just like, yeah, yeah no, he, he's literally my reaction character. And I'm just sitting here going, and all these other characters are just so <sighs> insufferable, unfortunately. So here's the thing, right? In Paper Mario the Origami King, you have to basically release all the streamers. The red streamer, the yellow streamer, the blue streamer, the purple streamer, and the green streamer. Five streamers that are held, that are basically captivating the castle that for some reason it just went up to the fucking sky and then up landed on the mountain. King Ollie's objective is that he wants to turn this paper world into origami rather than having everyone be thin as paper and stuff like that he wants to make a revolution into having everyone transform into origami because apparently they're the superior race as to paper thin race is not in his eyes that is and so you have your partner in crime named olivia who disagrees with king's ollie's um courses of actions and she partners up with mario to release all these streamers and to challenge against her brother now, I just want to make this very clear. Olivia, she was the most insufferable partner in crime I've ever, ever had in a Mario game 
if you were there on my streams, you could see that I titled my streams that I'm hoping for the bad ending. Mostly that I wanted her to die in the game. I was so tired of her shit. I couldn't deal with it. So Olivia is basically a character that is extremely kind-hearted and she does not want any trouble. And she does, at first, she has her peaceful approaches is to requesting something but the minute that things don't go her way as well uh we label this in the public media nowadays she is going to pull a karen and i just sit here i'm just like bitch i hope you know you acting this way is not going to help nobody i'm sorry but it's just like <laughs> all you are useful for is for the developmentals that's it that's literally it i'm so tired of you in my biggest complaint with this character right whenever something bad happens like you know uh, I'm, I'm gonna mention this part of the story okay so we get this bitch ass bobby head ass this fucking wannabe stupid <sighs> anyways bobby who is a bomb and he all of a sudden goes missing and shit and when he does you know, she always tells her, like, make sure you stick close by to us and stuff like that so you don't get lost and stuff like that. We're all in this together for this adventure. And when he does get lost or whenever he gets booted out, she's just like, oh, well, I I'm sure he's fine and stuff like that. Or, like, he's probably, like, out there when it's just like, you're not going to question what the fuck just happened? Like, wh where are your fucking priorities? Like, there are just moments like that where Olivia is just stupid, an airheaded stupid bitch. And there was a certain point of the story that I thought she almost died. And I was so sad that she did not because I was so tired of her. Like literally, like as, as much as I hate to say this, in some sense, you do need her for the story though. But for everything else that happened in the fucking story, you don't need her. You actually do not need this bitch. I hate her. I hate her so much. And the worst part about that is that she acknowledges that she is an airhead and she makes these careless mistakes, but she has no character development. Literally zero, none, and does not help contribute much to the story up until the ending, which I am going to talk about that a little bit more later. So, other than that, she was the worst Mario partner I've ever had. I, I wanted to cry. I was dying at the inside the more I was playing this game with her on it. So as you progress through the streamers, you do actually gain part uh, party members. However, that being said, that's only for that specific area. And once you leave that area, they're not going to follow you. They will not follow you to the end to uh, Peach's Castle as to basically they're only there selectively for that area. So I'm going to start this off by talking about Bobby, headass. Besides Olivia, he's also one of the worst partners that I actually receive in the game. So Bobby has amnesia and he decides to go on an adventure by himself to basically find a way of how to retrieve his memories and all of a sudden he ends up with Mario and Olivia. So in short, he tags along with that though, but holy shit, he is such a lazy bitch and a sassy motherfucker. Like, he wants to join in the team, but then he's all of a sudden, he's ah, uh, you guys got it. You guys can handle all the work and stuff like that. I'm just gonna sit back here, crossing my legs and stuff like that, having some tea, while y'all literally put your lives at risk for this stupid way to advance the story, the streamer and stuff like that, and put an end to everything and help me retrieve my memories back. Like, fuck you. Fucking fuck you. He's basically a little child excited for anything, but the minute that people need his help, he's just gone. He's gone or he's just sitting here at his ass around where she's like, yeah, I don't feel like it. Like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. I hate you. I actually hate you, especially that you are requesting us to help you 
find out your fucking memories if you can recall them back. And so when he does get his memories back, he does take Mario into a little, like, small detour, but also in a way to help out Olivia as she is almost at her dying breath and such. And he basically has this last-minute, long, fucking depressing story as to how bombs usually have a very incredibly short lifespan. And he basically was going to sacrifice himself to save Olivia from the huge boulder that King Ollie summoned out of nowhere. So, now here's my thing with this, okay? Um... I did feel some type of way after he explained the story as to, like, what happened to him and, like, why he is the way that he is. And, like, he didn't have, like, the um, uh, the ignition on him. Um, he basically lost his friends and stuff like that. And it, it actually became super fucking dark and as to how the amnesia has to happen. I think that was, like, one of the most, like, darkest moments of the game with that. Even though it was just, like, kind of randomly squished in there since it was pretty much his final moments before saving Olivia and such. So I will say, into some degree, I did feel bad and such, though. But for most the entirety of character of Bobby, no. Fuck Bobby. I was... Uh, he he had a run. He, he had a run, and it was nice that he went out with the banks. <laughs> so anyways... So when this happens, Olivia takes a good second to realize as to what happened, and she went to this random depression episode because Bobby basically um, sacrificed himself and such. And, you know, for that small time frame, like, I, I, I get it. It was very sad that we lost a friend that we've only known for, like, an hour, I guess, and such. But then, like, you know, she it goes to the point where she just could not move on, so on forward and such. And it was really difficult for Olivia and, of course... Um, what did surprise me is the fact that Mario did have some type of character to this because he did feel some type of way and he actually had to manage himself to cheer up Olivia, which is like, wow, Mario hardly has some type of character, but I think that was like one of the most like biggest characterizations that I've ever seen in Mario like that, especially in a Paper Mario game. I'm not gonna lie, it was actually really enjoyable. So in some sense, like, I did really enjoy that, though, but holy shit, at the same time, it kind of wasted so much time. I was just like, I kind of just want to advance the story at this rate, man. Like, come on. Putting that aside, I still stand by my point that Bobby was the worst team member that I've had. The next one I do want to talk about is the Professor Toad. So for him, he was actually quite enjoyable. He actually knew some facts and stuff like that, and he helped a lot more than fucking Bobby, that's for sure. He wasn't exactly too exciting, though, but, like, I will say that, like, he is a respectful party member that I actually did, uh, had some type of enjoyment to. So, I think he was okay for the most part. And especially for the time that he did set out on fights and stuff like that, he did mention the fact that he was kind of scared and stuff like that. And I believe that's a little bit more of a valid reason that he, you know, wanted to, like, stay back a little bit and such. And, you know, obviously he wasn't slacking around, you know, he was also doing his research and stuff like that. And, of course, he pieced the puzzles together. So, I will say that he, at least with him, he was doing something. The next one is my second favorite party member, and that's actually Kamek. Kamek did a lot for a party member that's somewhat indecisive, but he felt good for taking charge at certain points because he hardly receives praise. He has a respectable level of intuition as to basically getting around to certain paths and stuff like that, of certain case scenarios and stuff like that, so I will say, like, for him, he was even pretty humble as well. 
he definitely deserves more credit, and he's done a lot, and Bowser should be grateful that he has him around. As a matter of fact, that bitch better get a raise or something. Shit. Actually has to deal with the fucking family's bullshit and everything, and he's just handled that so well. Now, here's something that I want to kind of quickly mention um, about the gameplay. I'm kind of dabbling in this part, though, but I am tying this into the characters as part of the story. For that reason, it's because that I don't know if it was just me, but... As the partners that you get in this game, they are RNG if they can do attacks. Because sometimes they will miss, but sometimes they will do good damage and such. And that's why I appreciate Kamek a little bit more, because he was the most useful one out of them all. Um, besides with this other character that you surprisingly team up at the end. Um, he... The thing is the fact that, like, for most of the times, though your partners, they fucking miss for whatever reason. I don't know why, but they do. So... That's something that I should mention about that, is the fact that, like, the party members, they're not exactly your party members. They're just basically party members that act on their own. You can't exactly control them to do anything, and it's up to them that if they can do a good hit or not. And the one that I got super, super big help from was Kamek. He was super pleasant to be around and such, so I definitely wish if he was a party... Like, if you have the selection of party members for all of the areas that you would go to, I definitely would have had him for the entire game. So, uh, the next character that I want to talk about as well is Bowser. Bowser was just fucking broken as a party member. I'm gonna just say this right now. He was so fucking broken and does super heavy fucking damage and sometimes can even end it in one turn if you can't finish off your enemies. So, he's very fucking helpful, especially for somebody who is folded. Um... He wasn't folded into an uh, origami, but, like, he was just so folded. Uh, he kind of had that fucking clip spell on him. And when you do release him and such, like, oh, my God. It, the, the amount of help he provides you is insane. And, of course, his comedic relief as a character, especially for sometimes breaking the fourth wall and exactly taking the thoughts out of my head and such, he is speaking facts. I don't think I need to elaborate a little bit more on that. That's something that you would have to find out in the story to see what I mean by that. So... Other than that, he was basically the best party member that I had, especially for Endgame. But if we put him aside, Kamek's my number one favorite. So here's the thing, right? Like, Luigi, I think he was not exactly good in this game. Like, he's usually okay, especially when it's not, like, you know, exclusively just him, though. But for some reason, he's just incredibly stupid. Very, very stupid and sometimes very ignorant as to what's happening around him. In a very weird way, he did help though, but it's just so scary the fact that sometimes his ignorant moments are almost as similar as to Olivia when she's super oblivious as to what's happening around her. Other than that, now I want to talk about the plot of this story. Now it's finally time that I dive into this part as well. So as mentioned before, the plot of this story is the fact that King Ollie, he wants to create a revolution and such. However, for the reasoning of it is it was good until another part kicks in of this. So eventually in the story, you actually surprisingly get to meet the creator of King Ollie and Olivia. King Ollie has shown towards his racism towards to the paper-thin race, as to, as he's mentioned before, the origami race is much superior and everyone has to be origami or otherwise you're just ugly and inferior and such and you should be taken out of this world and stuff like that. That, he was a racist king. But the amount of racism as to what he has is astonishing like as soon as you thought that was bad no it gets worse so when you meet the creator right he basically explains his story as to 
um, how he created the origami of King Ollie and stuff like that, what his project was, and how all of this started. So what triggered this was the fact that when the creator put a quote-unquote scribble onto King Ollie, he got so fucking triggered he got so fucking upset he was like what the fuck is this and such so he was able to gain the fucking power and basically turn people into origami and stuff like that and f even fuck up his own creator and such and yeah that that's the reason why he got mad because his creator made a scribble onto him and apparently it messed up his beauty in some way shape or form so he basically wanted to fucking prove a point the fact that he's going to revolutionize the paper world and do it his own way and out of spite also get rid of all the toads all of them because of one fucking scribble that his creator made on him i thought it was so fucking stupid it was so stupid as hell and i mean what the worst part is the fact that he says himself is the fact that like oh no if one toad did this to me then all of them are just like that they're all the same to me like and that's scary because that's how racism is actually is in the real world it's like oh my god the worst part is the fact that like there would be somebody that would actually act like that but jesus christ he he is just so sensitive it's just like dude calm the fuck down and when you confront King Ollie about that, he's just like, oh, yeah, no, like, fuck everybody, fuck this, fuck that, fuck all y'all and such. And that's why he wanted to get rid of all the toads and all the paper-thin race that basically live off as to a king. And the worst part about that is that when you defeat him, when he's on his dying breath, he asks Olivia to read out of what the scribble says and such. And the worst part about that is the fact that it wasn't even just uh, some type of scribble. It was a message. It was a fucking message from his creator to basically for him to be the best king, the origami king there was. To wish him well, to hope that he has a good future as an origami king as to however well it turns out. And wow. Fucking wow. You did all this just because your creator wished you well. What a fucking clown, man. Like, at that moment specifically, I couldn't tell which one I disliked more, the brother or Olivia. I seriously cannot believe as to what I was hearing at all this. I was just super fucking upset by all that. I, I didn't know I didn't know how to react. I'm just like, what is this plot? This was a very oddly stupid little or maybe if I'm being nice, moderately sized death of a Paper Mario story. I will say for in terms of the story, like it's one of those things where it's just like this is so fucking stupid, but because of how stupid it is, you're invested by just, like, complaining about it or, like, making your criticisms and such. You're just sitting here going, like, you you want to drop this, but you can't drop it. It was one of those moments for me of experiencing this game. And in a way, there is some enjoyment to that, though, but, like, looking at it from another perspective as to what they have done um, in the previous Paper Mario games and such, this story is just so... Whack. So, yeah, fuck Luigi, fuck uh, Bobby Headass, uh, fuck everybody, fuck King Ollie, fuck the creator to some extent because literally, like, he, he held out at the last minute when he could have just came along as well and maybe done a little bit more because they got through situations out of luck. But anywho, um, yeah, no, um, fucking <laughs> Kamek Bowser's with the best characters. No cap. Sorry. However, I will say the fact that, like, it, it's just this game has a bittersweet feeling to me before i basically like 
determine my verdict here. I need to talk about the background of this game as to how it was being developed. and Because, again, th I, I think it's pretty important that this is brought up to the table. So, the background of Paper Mario and the Mario branding series overall as well. After playing this game, it is now clear to me that they are definitely taking not only the Paper Mario franchise, but the Mario brand to a different direction of this generation. The objective that Nintendo is trying to accomplish here is to ensure that the Mario series has more of a family-friendly image without going too hardcore as to what they've done in the past, which it makes sense as to why they would do that to a small degree. Nintendo has made questionable decisions. It's actually surprising how much they actually got away with it in the past, which it makes sense as to why they are doing this the way of how they're doing things are now. However, I do believe they can make these precedent decisions again, but by executing them differently, as it's been difficult for, uh, for the Nintendo fans to accept the change of directions, which I am somewhat on the same page as that as well. On top of that, going back to Paper Mario real quick, this is what is very unfortunate. Kensuke Tanabe, a developer, mentioned that making original characters and stories like Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario that are far out of reach of the Mario universe are strictly prohibited. So because of this, they refrain from utilizing stories that are apparently too complicated, which I cannot see how that is the case. But what is also strange to me is the fact that they also mentioned that they need to create original characters, but design them in a way that does not involve the Mario universe at all. This is also to avoid confusion as to what is heavily related to the main core of the Mario franchise and what isn't. That being said, this is more evidence that this is catering more to the younger audience as much as possible, which, however, I simply cannot agree with this. It's strange of all times they select now to do this when for a while it has been fine. Their statement is to create games that give positive surprises to players, but cannot do the same thing that they have done before, which that's perfectly okay. Do not misunderstand me at this. But again, I also do believe that they can execute things differently rather than simply dropping as to how it was before and changing it up thematically and overall as to how it was in the past. Adding in one more thing which alarmed me greatly was the fact that they got rid of the RPG elements of Paper Mario due to the fact they wanted to challenge themselves to do something differently, especially to make each new game that has fresh new ideas. So here's my thing with this, right? I like the motivation. I admire the drive that they, ha they are putting themselves under with because honestly, I can confidently say that like in a way, I had some enjoyment um, with the new Paper Mario game. However, that's exactly why I titled the episode the way it is because ultimately, even with the fresh new ideas, overall, this game specifically feels like another Mario Odyssey, but a little more story depth to it. And again, paper. I think it is okay to challenge themselves, but this is also limiting the franchise to the degree it's not topping into that wow effect as they used to in my personal opinion. In the previous past, they did a survey about the, their Mario games. And, oh my goodness, the result was not even 1% of the story was interesting, which I, I have a hard time believing this because Nintendo fans, from what I see, are a huge fan of when they go in-depth into their Mario stories. 
hence why the story of Paper Mario, uh, the Origami King, ended up being merely simple. They see no reason to put too much thought into an in-depth story game, or even just game mechanics that are openly th uh, thrown out of many options that you could do to challenge yourselves in nearly endless ways. It is unfortunate for me to say this as much as I enjoyed this new game. I do not see myself playing this game more than once to relive that experience or go about this differently. The only new Mario game that has still made that great replay value achievement was Super Mario Odyssey. I think if they were to balance things out as to what they are prioritizing, I think they can make this work out more than from what I am seeing. And it's a plateau effect. This impression of what they color to me is that these games have potential, it's just a hit or miss to tap into that potential to exceed further to what they are hoping for. Like I said, I do admire the fact that they're going about things differently and such, and again, this is just a way for them to challenge themselves, just so that like it's not the same formula here and there though, but I just think that like, I believe there's a certain point of time where it's just like, I think that they really should do this differently, because again, it's, it's, it goes up, I, it's just that I'm getting a lot of mixed feelings about this because it's just like so odd to me. And I had great hope of expectations for this Paper Mario game because I thought they were going back to their old roots as to basically as to what they'd done before because that's what had good peak moments of Mario. And it's hard for me to even recall of the peak moment as to Paper Mario unless you want to go in my personal opinion about Olivia. But anyways, um, but... Yeah, no, that's really much with all of that. It's just that, like, again, it just goes up and down for me and such. Which, again, like, as they said, the, said it themselves, they had to basically said they wanted to cater more into, like, oh, well, it's an enjoyable, like, open adventure platform type of game and such. Which, I mean, again, that's what makes the Mario um, series great and such, though. But they also had these branches where they surprisingly did well on. They never would have thought that. And it's fine that they can include some of the elements or like still stick to their main core of that though, but it's just the fact of it doesn't give me that like, whoa. The only thing that gave me that wow effect was their aesthetics for this game specifically and such. And again, the whole entire wow effect, I only got that with Super Mario Odyssey. And I thought that was gonna be the good beginning of everything. But unfortunately, I can't really say that. And it does pay me to even, you know, mention that overall. So um, overall, I would say for a first-time experience with Paper Mario, the Origami King, I will have to get this a slight 6.5 out of 10, maybe 7 if I'm being nice, but it's around that range where it's just like, it's, it's good for what it is, but I think it could have been a whole lot better, in my own personal opinion. But ultimately, you all must remember, this go does go down as to what type of expectations and what you're actually seeking for into this game specifically. So that's up to you as to how you want to recall your own judgment. That's exactly how I would recommend the Paper Mario, um, the Origami King game. So I will say that for a first time experience, it is okay though. But like I said, I can't see myself playing this game again. So, uh, but I will say that there was a lot of care. There was a lot of care and thought put out into this game specifically. I do admire that, which I will have to say that it is my second favorite Paper Mario game of the franchise. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much right behind the Thousand Year Door because it's my number one favorite. But other than that, though, it's, it's right there. And I just wish that it just taps into that, you know. But 
But yeah, alrighty, that's all for the podcast episode. If you are listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave out a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast. Hit up the Storm Connect Twitter at StormConnectEN or other platforms this podcast is on for feedback on the show. Now, a couple more updates before I sign off. I sign off here real quick. If you are not aware yet, I am super happy to announce that I have officially released merchandise. Um, there are nine products in total available to purchase, so please do check them out at the kingsize.live slash store when you get the chance. This would not be possible without my collaborator's assistant, Schmurp. Um, that's his name. You can follow him on Twitter, at SchmurpDerp. I will have his, um, Twitter link into the description. So you guys could check out his work and even commission him for the branding graphics as well. He does a super incredible job at it. I recommend that you guys go to him for branding graphics and such. He does an exemplary job. I had a wonderful time working with him and stuff like that. He's very pleasant to work with. I highly recommend him. So please do check him out when you guys have the chance. Um, another thing as well, um, due to the overwhelming support as uh, for the past couple weeks, we have reached over 100 followers on the podcast Twitter account, so I just want to thank you all so much for that, and I sincerely hope that you all have been enjoying these podcast episodes, especially that we've been doing here. Is there, if there's anything more that you actually want to see here in this uh, podcast, please let us know so we'll be able to think about it and see how we can like improve our podcast in the future, um, for the near future, and so on forward. I'm just so excited as to how things have been turning out for this podcast, and it would not be possible without your guys' support. So I just want to give you all a huge thank you all for that, and it just means so much that this is going really well. Um, so now... Last but not least, I know some people were waiting for this, and I kind of want to talk about this later. Okay? So, um, so I just drew the winner for um, for the giveaway for the Paper Mario: The Origami King, and um, there's actually a story to this, actually. Okay, so um, I have this friend of mine. Um, he's a really, really great friend of mine. He's very cool and very, very talented. Um, he goes by the name of Ven, and, um, he retweeted the giveaway in terms as to support the giveaway itself, right? So, he basically came up to my DMs on Discord, telling me, like, you know, he was like, oh my god, like, and this was like a week prior before I drew the winner. He was like, wow, this is so crazy, like, I can't believe I won the giveaway, like, no way, no way, thanks, like, it's all mine now, and I'm just like, dude, it, it's, it's not August 7th or 8th yet. And he was just like, I'm telling you, Edo, I know I won that giveaway. And I'm just like, Ben, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I'm going to put like, you know, <laughs> and what's crazy about this, I told him, I'm just like, Ben, if you actually dead ass win this giveaway, I, I, I'm leaving. I'm actually gone. I am not coming back from this. Like if I actually see your name just out of nowhere that you predicted that you won this giveaway a week later, I, I, as of right now, I'm speechless because guess what? I drew his name on the giveaway, and now I, I'm i still speechless. I'm still choking up by just saying this aloud because I just don't know how to react to this. I was just like, did he hack into the system? Did, what did he do? What in the world did he do to do this? <laughs> so, um, so, Ven is the winner of the giveaway. However, um... As he mentioned to me, due to the kindness that he has, he only retweeted the giveaway into support of 
basically for anybody else to getting it and to promote the post. So I will be drawing another um, winner, which again, you will be updated through that with the Storm Connect um, Twitter account as to when this podcast episode is released. But I just wanted that to mention out there that, yeah, that was the actual original winner of the giveaway that predicted it a week prior. And I'm surprised by that. And I, <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. I'm just... Then, if you're listening to this podcast, just know this is not over. This is not over. I will make my comeback to this. It is not over. But that being said, um, I'm going to give him that quick little shout out. So um, to give a little bit of quick background of Ven, um, his Twitter name is at Venison underscore. He is actually the best Zelda there is out there in the world of Smash. Um very a very frightening player a very very dangerous frightening player but he is a very chill guy he is very awesome and such i please i also recommend checking out um his content uh he also recently started streaming so um i suggest you guys check out his streams and stuff like that and, and hey if you guys want some zelda tips and such he sometimes does that here and there i suggest you guys go over to his channel to support him and such he's been he's an incredibly great guy so i highly recommend checking him out i'll leave i'll also leave his social media into the description as well so um yeah other than that thank you all so much for tuning into this podcast i hope you enjoyed this I hope you all enjoyed this review and to <laughs> this, especially the ending part of that. But again, thank you all so much for the support as of recently. I'm just glad this is just the step of the milestone that we have for the Storm Connect podcast Twitter. Uh, or not the Twitter, but the podcast overall and such. So thank you all so much for it. And I cannot wait for the future of this. And I hope you guys check out the merchandise. I put a lot of thought and care and love into this. I hope you all sincerely enjoy them. And same with Shmurp, I hope. Um, it reaches your guys' expectations and you guys at least maybe hopefully purchase one. So, and if you guys do purchase one and such, please, please at the Storm Connect Twitter account for the merchandise to like wearing the shirts and stuff like that and to what everything else the store has to offer. So, um, and there's also other merch that um, the Sigil Arts has to offer as well. You guys could check out for the other um, podcasts for basically like around with glitter. Um, you have failed with say Invader and stuff like that. King's Eyes also has his own merch and such. So please do check them out when you guys have the chance. Thank you all so much for everything. And like I said, I, I know I keep saying this though, but I just, I look forward to the future. This is Eno Ninja, and I'll see you guys on the next podcast episode. See ya.